Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Market View. It's Market Wrap of the Week. So let's first check in on how markets are faring this afternoon. Taking a look at the SGX website, I'm seeing the STI down 0.21% at 3,297 points. Advancers, though, are leading the pack 287 with decliners at 230 after 827 million securities worth 595 million Singapore dollars changed hands so far. Now, without further Further ado, let's bring on Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX, to find out how the STI fared this past week. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Hongbin. Thanks for joining me once again. Jeff, you know, it looks like Singapore shares, they opened in the red today. And I'm, I believe they've been in the red majority of this week. How did the STI fare this past week? Yeah, it's pretty much the vice versa from mm. our discussion last week, Hongbin. Yeah. If, you, if you can recall last week, the STI rallied around 90 mm. points from 3280 up to 3370. Um, And this week, the STI has given back about 70 points of those 90 points. Mm. So we started the week near 3380. We have fallen back to 3300 at lunch. Mm -hmm. So that means up 2.8% last week and down 2.2% this week. Mm -hmm. However, we have had dividend distributions this week, Mm. and that has reduced the decline in total return to a decline of 1.6%. Okay, okay. So who were the biggest movers on the STI this week? Uh, For the gainers, uh, the biggest movers have been Yangtzejiang Shipbuilding, Mm -hmm. which is up 4%. Emprador is up 3%. And then Semcorp Industries and Wilma are both Mm -hmm. up half a percent. And Capital Corp's up four tenths of a percent. But leading the decliners is DFI Retail Group, that's Mm -hmm. down 6.6% in SGD terms. Uh, Citrium's also down around Mm 5.5%. Singtel the same. And then Jardim Matheson down 4.4%. Maple Tree Logistics down 4%. Okay, speaking of Singtel... I mean, shares of Singtel did fall sharply after analysts from Citi, they flagged a decrease in earnings from Telkom Cell, which is Singtel's regional associate in Indonesia. Why is this, you know, significant? I mean, can we expect further losses in Singtel shares? Yeah, uh, Singtel did put out an announcement pretty quickly mm-hmm. that details or, or rather clarifies that Telkom Cell's 20% there about year-on-year decline in the net profit, it was driven mainly by a fair value revaluation of its mm-hmm. investment in GoTo. So if you look at the share price, it ended last week at $2.66. It's currently, where is it, $2.44. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also, you got a, um, a couple of other factors that came into that. You had the stock pay a 7.8 cent dividend on the 2nd of August. Mm-hmm. So that added to those Wednesday declines. Uh, Because when stocks go ex-dividend, the share price will generally adjust and come down uh, the same amount of the dividend distribution. And another key factor is that between the Tuesday open and the Thursday close, Mm -hmm. we had the Aussie to the Sing dollar depreciate by 2% from Mm -hmm. 89.3 to 87.6. And and Singtel reports around half of its total revenue to Optus Australia. So if you look at that, you've got the Aussie Sing back at 88.1 at present, and that's Mm -hmm coincided with Singtel share price actually being up 1.3% this morning. Okay, I see, I see. And now we also have to talk about our local banks. They finished reporting 
earnings with the latest out this morning from OCBC, where we saw them reporting a net profit of 1.7 billion Singapore dollars for the second quarter that ended in June, and that's around up 34 percent. Well, Jeff, how did our banks do? I mean, did they perform in line with your expectations? Yeah, there was more upside surprise mm-hmm. than downside surprise okay, for the trio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that trend, it's, it's more or less in line with the broader market. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've had more upside surprise in this earnings cycle across the STI constituents than downside. Mm-hmm. And that's also been uh, what we've observed across Asia Pacific, which is around now two-fifths of their way through mm-hmm. the second quarter reporting. And in the US, uh, it's, it was similar, uh, more upside surprise than downside surprise. And mm-hmm. US is about three-fifths of their way through their second quarter reporting. But the net interest income mm-hmm. of the three banks it usually makes up around two-thirds of their total income, and mm-hmm. that was always expected to come in higher year on year. So for the first half of this year, the net interest income comprised 68% of the total uh, mm-hmm. income of the three banks. Okay. And that net interest income for the trio was actually up more than 40% in the first half of this year versus mm-hmm. the first half of last year. Um, and meanwhile, you look at the other component, the non-interest income, that was up around 20% in the first half of this year versus the first half of last year. And that's partially attributed or, you know, the a key driver was UOB's record mm-hmm. high customer-related treasury income uh, that came from more hedging demands uh, and better performance from its trading and liquidity management activities. So okay. that's, that's a key part of the total income. Income, but mm. also in terms of provisions, the MPL ratios for the first half, they did uh, remain the same as they were for the second half of mm. last year for DBS and UOB. So that's uh, 1.1% for DBS and 1.6% for UOB. And the MPL ratio uh, came down slightly for OCBC down to 1.1% from 1.2% for OCBC mm. in the second half of last year. Now, n- net interest income it, mm-hmm. it makes up the majority of the income, as we said, around 68% of the banks. It's clearly been driven by net interest margins, the higher interest rates, mm-hmm. more so than loan growth. Uh, the trio of DBS, OCBC and UOB uh, put some context. Their quarterly combined net interest income for mm-hmm. the second quarter was $8.3 billion. So mm-hmm. that makes it the third consecutive quarter that net interest income has been above the $8 billion sing mark. Uh, mm-hmm. For context, that combined quarterly net interest income of the trio, it broke above the $5 billion mark mm-hmm. back in the first quarter of 2018 and pretty much stayed between $5 billion and $6 billion per quarter okay. for just, just over four years through to the first quarter of 2022 before it broke above $6 billion in the second quarter of 2022. Mm, I see, I see. And I'm taking a look at how shares of the trio of banks are faring. It looks like it's a it's a mixed mood right now. CBC is down 0.5%. UB, in fact, is down 3.3%. And it looks like DBS is the only one seeing gains today. It's currently up 1.6%. I mean, despite this good news, why are shares faring like this? Well, uh, UOB, as you said, down 3.3%. Mm-hmm. That's down 97 cents today. Mm-hmm. But it also went ex-dividend today with an 85 cent dividend per mm-hmm. share. So okay. 85% cents of that 97 cents decline is theoretically uh, determined by the mm-hmm. dividend distribution. Uh, so, But you're right, that the, the, they are ultimately mixed today. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, since the UOB bank, kicked off the reporting for the Mm -hmm. trio, you have had marginal outperformance 
of the three banks to their regional peers. So mm. that was back on the 27th of July uh, before the open that UOB reported. And since then, the trio have averaged close to 3% total returns. And mm. that compares to their APAC bank peers, which have gained around seven-tenths of a percent. In fact, when you look at, as I said, net interest income is a key driver. And yep. since the beginning of the second quarter of last year, when that combined net interest income broke above the $6 billion mark, mm-hmm. the trio have averaged around 6% total returns, while APAC banks have overall been flat. So I know we're talking kind of marginal returns there, but mm-hmm. key to point out too is these stocks determinately forward-looking. So mm-hmm. In the first quarter of 22, before we had that break above for net interest income, mm-hmm. you did see the trio average 12% total yeah. returns in that first quarter last year versus 5% for their APAC peers. So mm. as you say, there are responses, but mm-hmm. there's also uh, these stocks that are also forward-looking. I see, I see. And on to some news on the economic front. Singapore's PMI edged up in July, but it remains contractionary for five straight months. Uh, what does this signal, Jeff? The manufacturing sector, it is particularly sensitive to global growth. Yeah. Uh, and that has been high, uh, weighed, I should, I should say, weighed mm-hmm. by the, uh, the interest rates increases in the West mm-hmm. and China obviously putting more fuel into its services-led recovery right. rather than the traditional investment infrastructure-led recovery. So as, as we saw with the S&P Global ASEAN Manufacturing mm-hmm. PMI, which was also released this week, ASEAN regional business confidence has dropped to a three-year low in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that S&P Global report, it showed that good producers across Singapore mm-hmm. did sig- signal a contraction for the first time in four months. And mm-hmm. despite that contraction being modest, the headline reading was also the lowest that it had um, mm-hmm. generated in the last two years or so. So the the, the key economist, Mary Ann, at, at S&P Global Market Intelligence, mm-hmm. she relayed that basically your PMI data mm-hmm. um, has high, uh, we've seen for the beginning of the third mm-hmm. quarter of, of this year, is highlighting that there is a sustained slowdown Across the ASEAN manufacturing sector, mm-hmm. output and total new orders, uh, they did expand, but at weaker rates than mm-hmm. what we saw in June. And she's she's made the point that the data is suggesting that the growth at the moment in manufacturing, it is predominantly driven by domestic markets. Mm-hmm. New orders from overseas are contracting at an accelerated pace. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to, as we said, manufacturing being particularly sensitive to global growth. I mean, since there are they are very sensitive and weighed on interest rates from the West and um, China, with interest rates now seeming to ease as well as more pledges for support in China, can we expect more bright spots for the PMI going forward? Yeah, I think uh, the, the PMI is is always coincidental type of indicator mm-hmm. uh, versus the stocks themselves, which are forward looking. Mm-hmm. And in in the stock market, we do have 100 or so manufacturing stocks listed here, and they are all relevant to the various six clusters of Singapore's industrial production. But they're not all. Singapore-facing manufacturers. Right. There's a lot of manufacturers with APAC and ASEAN 
uh, activities and so forth, revenue and basing their assets there. So, so everything's got its own different beat. As we as mm-hmm. we've seen, transport engineering has been a particularly strong part of Singapore's manufacturing, mm-hmm. whereas electronics haven't. For the electronics, they are still very much viewing where we are in the inventory cycle. So mm-hmm. at the moment, expectations are that inventories will continue to run down to the beginning of next year, and then uh, the you know that that cycle will be complete, and then global growth, global demand for electronics will again uh, be a be a key driver in the uh, performance potential performances of those stocks, okay. whether it's up or down. Yeah. I see, I see. And over in the U.S., I mean, the biggest headline that moved markets there as well as here in Asia was, of course, the downgrade of the U.S. credit rating from Fitch. Jeff, was that expected? I mean, was it even necessary? What does this downgrade mean? It was not expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it necessary? Maybe. Uh, it's, it's up to everyone's, um, you know, interpretation. Yeah. Um, that it was primarily about governance, mm-hmm. uh, as and as Reuters relayed, it was uh, the down to the wire debt ceiling negotiations mm. that actually was a contribution contributing factor. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting because if you if if we we're talking about a corporation, then and and that was going through these processes, that's what you would expect. Mm. So you, you would expect it if we're doing a some type of apples and oranges contribution, uh, you know, apples and oranges type of yeah. analysis, given how important governance is yeah. to, 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 to corporate world as well. So mm-hmm. that made sense. But nonetheless, it was a surprise downgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, so we saw also, I think there was compounding this, US Treasuries also announced the a uh, slightly bigger than expected treasury refunding plan over the week. Um, mm-hmm. So we did see U.S. Treasuries for the 10-year notes. They rose to around 4.15%, still at that level now. Mm-hmm. Um, but those levels, we, we, we were last at around 4.15% back in November 2022. So, right. so that means the treasury yields are up around 20 basis points from Mm -hmm. where they were at the end of last week. Mm. But based on the reaction of markets after this decision, I mean, markets did react negatively to this decision. How worried are investors about Fitch's downgrade of the U.S. credit rating? I mean, should we be concerned? Yeah, so those high high yields that, Mm -hmm. that we've seen, they've also boosted the, little, the U.S. dollar a little, just a little. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. dollar index, it, it was at 101.6 last week. It's now at 102.4 now. So that's not a huge reaction in global, global markets. But what happens is you have that tick up in the mm-hmm. coupon rates of the U.S. treasuries. And that's yeah. given the risk difference now between a AAA and a AA plus rating. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, you know, here we have a key risk off or a key worry indicator is the price of gold. And if you look at our SGX listed spider gold ETF, it hasn't really seen much reaction this week. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the ETFs that you know has continued to really dominate and be in play is, of course, that Lion Global OCB Securities Hang Seng Tech ETF, mm-hmm. which, which is one of our most popular traded. So, yeah, at the moment, reaction is, is a little bit of reaction there, but it hasn't been um, you know, too much. Okay, that's good. I mean, before we let you go here, yep. Jeff, is there anything else investors should be looking out for next week? Yeah, sure. I mean, we, we've still got more earnings to come next <laughs> week. On Monday, we've got Lendlease Global Commercial REIT, mm. Paragon REIT and Delphi. 
are reporting mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Um, Dynamac and China Aviation Oil are reporting. Mm-hmm. There's also other companies reporting, but just just these are a few that are among mm-hmm. our most actives. We then all take a break on Wednesday, yep. celebrate. 58th, our 58th National Day, yep. and the PM <laughs> delivers his National Day message, obviously, on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You've got, on Thursday, Gunting Singapore and City Developments reporting, and they're mm-hmm. both STI stocks. Mm-hmm. More STI stocks on the Friday, Wilmar, Olam, as well as SD Engineering, Capital Land Investment, and AEM, mm-hmm. of which Wilmar, SD Engineering, and Capital Land Investment are uh, STI stocks and AEM is going to be really important too, given mm-hmm. what it's seeing in terms of its servicing of semiconductor companies. Mm-hmm. Or as we were saying before, this is pretty uh, important for electronics, right. uh, which is obviously such an important part of our industrial production mm-hmm. here in Singapore. Then on the macro front, we could or we could possibly see our final GDP print mm-hmm. for the second quarter release next Friday. It's not due uh, for another one, two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. But last year, if you recall, we had our final GDP report come out a bit earlier than yeah. expected. It was two days after the National Day holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, so after payrolls tonight, which is expected to come in at 200 US jobs mm-hmm. again in July, I think global macro focus switches to CPI in the US, mm. uh, GDP uh, in the UK, and June industrial production there too. Mm-hmm. And China focus will be on trade data as well as CPI. It's a short week, but we still have lots to look out for. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Jeff, for joining me today. Have a great weekend, yeah. That's a pleasure. Thanks, Hongbin. You too. Thank you. We've been speaking with Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. I'm Hongbin Jung, and this has been Market Wrap for the week. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.